T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. You took off at the dead night. But before you did, got your head combed right. Hey, I just found out we got Steve Forbes on the show tomorrow. Looking very much forward to that. Like to connect with Steve every once in a while. We had some inflation news today that maybe wasn't quite as bad as anticipated. Still not good, though. Um, we'll talk with Steve Forbes about all kinds of things related to the economy tomorrow. And by the way, it is Christmas time coming up quickly. Don't forget to check out the Spain trip. If you go to defineddestinations.com, we're taking a group of listeners here from St. Louis to Madrid and Barcelona, April 23rd through the 30th. It will be the 40th anniversary of my first trip to Spain. I was a high school senior at Parkway West. We took a class trip. I lived with a family in Valencia, Spain. But we're going to start in Madrid, which is a fabulous city. Um, I don't know if we'll have time to go to Segovia. Segovia is just a little castle village outside of Madrid that is just magical. It's one of my fondest memories. But then we take a high-speed train over to Barcelona for three nights. I mentioned I had lunch with my friend Dave Young from the sound room, and I was kind of mentioning this trip. Maybe I was inviting him to go along, and he said, Barcelona is my favorite European city. My wife would probably say that, too. I've never been to Barcelona, but if you want to hook up with this trip, we're going to have a great time. A lot of focus on food and adult beverages and just magical experiences with Mike Kenny and the gang from Defined Destinations. He's a great tour guide. I traveled with him in 2011 to Italy, and he's put a great trip together. You can go to Define Destinations or, again, the top of my Twitter site to find out a little bit more about the trip. Jump on board. There's still time here to get involved. We've got some slots open. Uh, I mentioned John Callahan a little later. He's the founder of the Callahan Pickleball Academy. We're going to talk a little bit about pickleball and how crazy that's become, but he also has a great package to offer up for the Tree of Hope campaign that we'll have you make an offer on a little bit later. We have an audio cut of the day as well. Yesterday I talked about the Loudoun County situation, and now there's developing news on that because the superintendent, maybe somebody else, has been um, indicted in that particular case. Now, unfortunately, I think it's only a misdemeanor. We're going to find out a little bit more from Dave Strom, associate editor of Hot Air, who's back with us this afternoon or evening on 97.1 FM Talk. Dave, how are you? I'm doing great, although I want a piece of the pig, and I want to go to Spain with you. You can do both of those things. I've been listening, and it's like, how come I don't get paid like that? Yeah, we do all kinds of fun stuff. The the Sugar Fire, if you like the barbecue, we have great barbecue here in St. Louis, and Sugar Fire is spectacular. In fact, there's one near my home, and I've joked with um, the owners. I said, I think I bought my house mainly because it's five minutes away from a Sugar Fire, and that might be true. I got to move to St. Louis. I know you've got the best barbecue there. 
and, and and then your trip to Spain. Anyway, I know I'm wasting your time no, here. Uh, we right. should uh, we should be talking about Loudoun County. Well, let's talk about it because, look, I've been um, talking about Loudoun County ever since, you know, last summer when this whole thing with Scott Smith was exposed and he ends up getting arrested. And, of course, if you remember, I'm sure you do, Dave, that when, when that happened, that sort of set off a chain of events, including something that happened here in St. Louis with my superintendent in my school district who gave out the FBI tip line number because it was domestic terrorists like Scott Smith yep. that were disrupting all these school board meetings when, in fact, the truth couldn't be further away from that narrative, right? Oh, my gosh. I mean, this poor guy's daughter got raped uh, by a transgender student. They covered it up. They lied. They got the FBI to go after the parents. And, uh, you know, the whole thing has wound up at a place where you've got a lawyer who is under indictment uh, state indictment for perjury, felony perjury, and a school superintendent who is under indictment, unfortunately, for only three misdemeanors. But they're the criminals. The uh, student who raped the girl was a criminal, and they fixed the FBI on the dad. It's just appalling. And now we know how much information this superintendent in the administration had. Now, the grand jury, I read this grand jury report, uh, Dave, and I'm sure you have too. It is stunning. Yeah. It's something, it's detailed, but everyone should really read this. It's at Loudon.gov, and they go into all the details here, and they talk about even before the rape of Scott Smith's daughter on May 12th, uh, less than four weeks after students return to in-person school, this is coming after the pandemic, of course, there's a teaching assistant at the high school that writes to her superiors about this particular student, the assailant, that says, if this kind of reckless behavior persists, I wouldn't want to be held accountable if someone should get hurt. So that's red flag number one. 16 days later, that student sexually assaults a female, Scott Smith's daughter, in that bathroom at the uh, at the high school. For three hours after the assault, they can't find that person. Find and then them. the father yeah. of the girl is, you know, at the school is upset. And then we know what happens to, to Scott Smith. But th- this was covered up by the superintendent and the administration. And according to the grand jury, it was even covered up for the school board. The school board didn't know all these details until this report came out. Oh, yeah. Well, and I mean, there, there's one detail that you left out. You covered it very well. But the, they actually called their lawyers against the dad on the day that this happened. They kicked him out after 15 minutes and got a uh, uh, the lawyer uh, to actually send the judges after that guy to prevent him from coming back before they had even found the student who actually committed That's the rape. They were more racist. concerned to go after the father than the rapist. It's just unbelievable. So they they highlight something in the grand jury report that is called Policy 840. So this is what the grand jury report says. The chief operating officer at the Loudoun County Public Schools arrives at the school that afternoon after the original assault, talks with the principal. At 3.30, he sends an email to the superintendent stating in full, the incident at SPHS is related to Policy 840. I will send a team's appointment from 3.30 to 5 and will log in now and offer an update if you want to log in between now and then. Policy 840 address 
addresses the rights of transgender and gender expansive students. Six people joined that meeting, including the superintendent and the now deputy superintendent. We believe the grand jury says this team's meeting was the beginning of the complete lack of transparency by LCPS surrounding the situation. And it didn't get better after that, did it? No, no. And, uh, you know, complete lack of transparency is just another word for cover up. As soon as they found out that this had to do with a transgender student, they went into damage control mode. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to argue that they should have gone harder after the kid because he was a transgender kid. But they actually went the other direction and just said, look, because he's transgender, we're going to determine it's just a okay. I mean, he'd done this. Uh, they transfer him to, to a another school. school. Yeah, to, to a, a different, different school. So he's actually detained. Uh, he's released on she. I, I got to be careful here, right? July twenty sixth, and then according to the part of the release, the court says the student couldn't return to the original high school. Is then transferred to the other high school. Then in early September, you got students that are already throwing red flags about this trans student, and then in October, there's another assault. So there's warning signs all over the place. Teachers are complaining, but because of policy 840, oh, we got to be careful here. We got a trans kid. It doesn't matter. We got to look for their rights, not all the other students in their safety. That's what happened. Oh, that is exactly what happened. Just, uh, uh, just think about this. If a white male cisgendered, using their term, student walked into a girl's bathroom and raped uh, a girl, uh, this wouldn't have happened they would have gone in an entirely different direction. Uh, Basically, what they have done is they've created a hierarchy where young girls are lower on the hierarchy than trans men or trans girls. Uh, And so basically what they're saying is where you are on this hierarchy of oppression determines what you can do. I mean, you can essentially do anything you want if you're at the top of the hierarchy and you have to be a victim if you're lower on the hierarchy. That's the the world they're creating. So in the end here, though, because this is just a misdemeanor charge, even if somehow there's criminal responsibility here, it won't be much, will it? No, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I, I have this sort of bizarre take on this, which is on the one hand, Thank God there's at least a little accountability. Uh, And, oh, my gosh, this is all that's going to happen. I mean, the one thing we do have a little bit of hope about is the lawyer for the school district committed perjury. And he's probably going to lose his law license. And he may actually wind up in jail because he coached witnesses to lie, including lying to the grand jury. Uh, that's how far they're willing to go, though. They're not just lying to the public. They're just not just going out there and giving vague statements. Wow. They are coaching witnesses to lie to grand juries. You know, one of the things that, that is very frustrating about this particular story, and, and I can say from the very beginning of when I started talking about it through the fall of last year when they were, you know, taking part in an election in Virginia that ended up going the way of um, people that supported Scott Smith, I think Glenn Youngkin, and we know how that turned out. But from the very beginning, through this grand jury report last week, and now the incident in the last couple of days with you know, the superintendent 
is out, and then he's charged with a crime. It's still getting very little outside of hot air, outside of conservative talk show hosts. You're not seeing a lot of coverage on this story at all. Well, and I I think most people don't understand. He's still getting paid. The superintendent Uh, is? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Now, it may be that they'll fire him for cause, but right now he hasn't lost all the benefits and everything else. Uh, and this has to do with our sort of namby-pamby HR culture where everybody tries to sweep everything under the rug. Uh, now, because he has been charged, they probably have uh, free reign to actually just cut him off. Uh, but as in many cases, people who work for the government uh, even when they get fired, they walk away with golden parachutes. Yeah. Well, and I, I think I saw a comment from this guy through the attorney today that he's still being defiant, saying that he was on the right side of this. If you read the grand jury, yeah. I mean, I think he's counting on the fact that no one's going to really read the grand jury report because it's pretty damning. Yeah, well, and I think, uh, you know, the deck has been stacked against the public. It's been stacked against uh, everyone who is not within the elite. You know, whether you're a public employee or somebody who is in that sort of privileged group that are able to uh, essentially violate laws and get away with it. Uh, And you're right. I mean, right now, there are very few people who are covering this. I mean, you know, the, the left always talks about conservative media. As if we, uh, you know, just sort of make stuff up. But actually, they just don't cover stuff. No, they don't cover stuff. Yeah, they don't. In uh, fact, I'm going to let you go here and I'm going to read from some of this grand jury report that people haven't heard. And I think they'll be shocked when they hear some of the details that was in this report. But, Dave, I'm glad you're on top of it. I know you wrote about a couple other things that were interesting, including the uh, the Club Q shooting and some of the narrative shifts on that as well. Check out Dave's work at hotair.com. That's an interesting story, too, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's all about narrative. This has become my big thing. The narrative, which is what the the, the reality that the left is constructing for us. Stay on them, Dave. I appreciate it. Have a great Christmas. Yeah, you too. All right. Take care. Let me let me read because I I did this last week, but I think this is important for people to hear. So let's let's just kind of go back and to the facts. The Scott Smith's daughter is assaulted, raped in June. Uh, But there are warning signs well before that. But then the kid is released and sent to another high school. On September 9th, just over two weeks into the new school year, the individual, this is from the grand jury, the individual grabbed the shoulder of a girl, quote, really hard, unquote, and kept tapping her head with a pencil during class. He tried to take the girl's Chromebook and asked her if she had ever posted nudes online. He then asked another boy if his grandmother had posted any nudes online. The superintendent, deputy superintendent, and superintendent's chief of staff all learned of this incident and knew it was the same individual who committed the sexual assault at the other high school. Now, what's funny is, is there, boy, I'm surprised that there's not a trans group out there that has taken the grand jury to task for misgendering this boy or girl because they describe him as a he, which I'll continue to do because he had a penis. Despite having a 12-page disciplinary file, a 12-page disciplinary file, wearing an ankle monitor, being closely monitored by the Broad Run principal, Broad Run High School was the new one, Knowledge of this incident by the highest administrators in Loudoun County Public Schools and a suggestion by the court services unit that a more serious punishment be given. The individual received nothing more than a verbal admonishment for these actions. Less than a month later, on October 6, 2021, this trans student snatched an unassuming female 
out of the hallway, abducted her into an empty classroom, nearly asphyxiated her, and sexually assaulted her. The individual was taken into custody that day, where he has remained ever since. Should have been in custody ever since the first incident. It wasn't. So the grand jury writes this. They're outraged. This is like the grand jury that looked into Kim Gardner. They were outraged, right? Didn't go anywhere in the end, but they couldn't believe what they were seeing, what they were learning. Given the facts learned through this investigation, multiple witnesses testified the October 6, 2021 crime should have been prevented and expressed disgust, outrage, and sadness that they occurred. We asked the broad run principal whether he felt responsibility. He did not answer that after his attorney objected and mentioned the Fifth Amendment. Then they go back to May. Let me take you back before the original rape, right? On May 12th, day 14 of in-person schooling, the TA writes this. I referenced this earlier. Good afternoon. Even though he started the year very well and though he gets along with his peers, this student seems to have a problem with listening and keeping his hands to himself. He has come into class more than once with his arms around a girl's neck. I have caught him sitting on other girls' laps several times. There doesn't need to be a global pandemic to say that this is unacceptable. His refusal and disregard to me and my assistant has us at our wits' end. I understand that the school year is quickly ending and that students and staff alike are counting down the day. But if this kind of reckless behavior persists, I wouldn't want to be held accountable if someone should get hurt. Well, someone's not being held accountable because the principal decides to ignore that. One of the recipients of the email did not know who the student was and felt it was missent to her. She testified she had nothing to do with the student and didn't follow up or discuss it with anybody because she didn't want to invade the student's privacy. The other recipient, a department chair, viewed the email blithely. She testified she was confused because she wasn't sure if the author meant like get sick like with COVID or get hurt or if it was like something else and questioned the true motivation of the author. So again, the TA complains, hey, this kid's trouble, right? Putting his hands, putting her hands on all these uh, girls, the kid with the penis that says he's a girl now. She did, however, follow up with the student's case manager who called the student's mother. None of this is documented in the student's file, and neither the department chair nor the case manager spoke with the author of the email about her concerns. The department chair also mentions this email to the assistant principal who questioned whether the author had followed proper protocol. Again, on down the list, they don't care about any of this. They only care about policy 840 that protects the trans students. Nothing to see here. Don't worry about those girls. They'll be fine. We got a trans student. We got to look out for them. That's what's important in this country right now. From 1146 to 1159 on May 28th, 2021, the assailant was chatting with a female student on Discord, which is a message app. I don't know about that. About potentially calling a pass to have some fun. They have an attachment in the, in the file in the grand jury report. The students were using their LCPS-issued Chromebooks to have this conversation, and at least one of them was in class. The two individuals met in the bathroom two weeks before to have consensual sex, but never had sex outside of SBHS. And this goes on and on and on, and the things that were happening here that they can document. 128, the SBHS principal emailed the director of the high school and supervisor of high school education stating, I have a female student who alleges another student attempted to rape her in the bathroom today. We are sending this to law enforcement. The girl is currently with a nurse. We will address this by the numbers. This is the same student who was transferred here from THS for a similar allegation. So it's sickening when you read what they did here. And they covered it up. And this... um, the fact that this guy can only face maybe a little bit of jail time, that this is a misdemeanor, if there aren't lawmakers in Missouri, and I will encourage them on the roundtable this Friday to rewrite 
the statutes to say if you're a school superintendent and you do not look out for the safety of all your students and you favor, I don't know, let's say the students that say they're one sex and not the other, even though they still have the appendages of the sex that they were assigned at birth. But we're going to see if that's maybe a crime to do that if someone gets raped in a bathroom. Seems kind of appropriate in the aftermath of this. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Audio Cut of the Day coming up here in just a few minutes. We have Steve Forbes on the show tomorrow afternoon. And right now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk pickleball because it's a craze. It's a nutty, wacky craze. I started playing this year, and John Callahan has written a book called Pickleball, Tips, Strategies, Lessons, and Myths. He is a pickleball legend in St. Louis. At least that's what we're going to call him. Founder of Callahan Pickleball Academy, the first full-time pickleball coach in St. Louis. And we have a great pickleball if I can say pickleball more times in a row, I think that's going to be amazing. But we have a pickleball package, which is not easy to say, John Callahan, that you're going to offer up for the kids at Cardinal Glennon. How are you? Just fantastic. Great to be with you. Thanks for coming in. I did a little recon on you. Let's see if some of this is true or false. Or you can shoot me down and you can say this is true. I talked to Scott Bakula. He said you were very bad at tennis. Is this true or not? <laughs> Love draft. <laughs> so <laughs> that, there's that's a little. Great. There's that's a little. So great. my my. We have a mutual friend that I was unaware of. He goes by. He he gave himself the name of the king, Jeff Drew. But Jeff oh says he goes way back with you. And he told me this is what he said. He played tennis at Kirkwood with Scott Bakula. And and Jeff was nice enough to put in parentheses actor. Like I didn't know who Scott Bakula was. <laughs> right, Drew. What are you thinking? So he says that he knew you at Mizzou, and even when he was spending time out in San Francisco. Right. That's correct. That's right. Jeff, he's an interesting guy. Should we, should we say some nice things or some bad things about him? Only nice things. He's wonderful. He really is. He's a dear, I'm having lunch with him on, on Friday. So oh, fabulous. So we'll, uh, we'll share some stories. Well, you wrote this book, which is called Pickleball Tips, Strategies, Lessons, and Myths. And, and I have not had a chance to read it. I just got it today. But you started the foreword by saying, and I want to know when you wrote this, because you say, you know, basically a few years ago, you ran across some people that are playing this weird game, right? So when did the book come out? Uh, the book came out in uh, March of uh, 20. Okay, so this is all, this whole pickleball craze has really ramped up and accelerated quickly. So you've only been kind of involved in this in a few years, right? For a few years. Well, actually, I've been uh, doing it full time for five and a half years, okay. Mark. I was, uh, when I first started, uh, I was the tennis pro and pickleball pro at Tower Grove Park. 
that was due to my friend Mike Chapin, a great local ambassador and coach and player, who got me into pickleball. After a year, I segued entirely into pickleball because it reminded me of the early days of the internet business. It was rapidly growing, fragmented, yeah. and underserved. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so just because I don't want to lose people, and, and I think a lot of people, though, when we say pickleball, explain, just simplify the game, what we're talking about here and how it's played. It's played on a tennis court, but it's converted. Yes. It's a combination of tennis, table tennis, and badminton. Yeah. The court is about one-third the size of a tennis court. There's a net, and you play with a, think of it as an oversized ping-pong paddle and a wiffle ball. 99.9% of the play is doubles. So it's very social. It's very fun. It's easy to learn but hard to master, Mark. Yeah. It, it, well, and it's a bit of a, I think more than a bit of, it's a finesse game, right? But there's, there's, there's an equalization factor, isn't there, to a certain extent because of the way the game's played with what's called the kitchen and where you're allowed to hit the balls? Well, you're exactly right. The kitchen, the true name is non-volley zone, is the area seven feet on each side of the net. Because you can't go in there and volley... It is different than tennis where you serve, volley, come to the net, and if I'm taller, I have an advantage. Right. This mitigates that advantage, and you're right. So it is a great equalizer. When when we started talking, I mean, I, I started talking about pickleball probably two years ago, and then Judith is in the studio, Judith Anderson from our staff. She invited me to play for the first time earlier this year. But I did a little research at the time, and I don't know what you know about the Origination, If I remember correctly, there was something that was happening in the late 1960s, and there were some people playing, was it in New England, and they sort of came up with this game. What, do we know that that's how it happened, or is that still a mystery? Uh, we, we know how it happened. Uh, Mark, it was 1965, and it was in Bainbridge Island uh, near Seattle. I was totally wrong about the location, mm-hmm. but I think I was close on the time frame, right? The year of my birth, 1965. So it was the Seattle area. Yes. Uh, rainy day, kids were bored. Parents said, go out and uh, we'll put up a little badminton net and grab some ping pong paddles and hit something around. And the next day, the adults played it. They loved it. They started playing more and more, and that was the start. That was the true start of pickleball. So that's 1965. I'm 57 years old. I don't really start hearing about pickleball probably until I'm about 54 years old. So what what made this in the last five to ten years take off so much? Mark, the Snowbirds were playing in uh, Cal- Southern California, Arizona, Florida, etc., and they started bringing it back up north. That put pressure on the venues and the clubs and the mm-hmm. parks and rec departments right. to give them space. Then co- space to play pickleball. Then COVID hit, and pickleball was the perfect game oh, during COVID. So that, and so the growth was approximately 35% per year over the last few years. Mark, now there's upwards of 5 million people playing pickleball in the United States. I find the demographics interesting because I think just admitting, and I think people may be tempted to do this listening right now, pickleball, that's an old person's deal, right? That sounds like shuffleboard. There are so many younger people that play this game, right? Well, absolutely right. And you're correct. Years ago, uh, 50% of the players were over uh, 65, I believe. But it is skewed dramatically younger. And I believe, and I'm I'm close here, 50% of the players are under 45. 50% are now. Yeah, I've seen, I've even seen a lot of 20 somethings and kids like that that are interested in it as well. So talk about your facility and what you have at the Callahan Pickleball Academy. What goes on there? Well, we have seven great instructors. And they're all certified uh, teaching professionals. And we teach at seven different venues around St. Louis. Creve Core Racquet Club is our main uh, facility and uh, indoor facility. And Creve Core Racquet Club, 
um, was, was built and operated by the Apted family for the last 55 years. It has everything that a family would want. And giving back is a big part of their mission. So they're pleased to be part of this. Um, the others are Dwight Davis, Webster, Chesterfield, a number of parks and recs departments. And so we teach uh, clinics, lessons. We, have, we do a lot of corporate events and private parties. And we do that seven days a week. And we have been for five and a half years. Is it is it easy to set up, like I'm guessing, if it's a corporate event, you, you do it there at the academy, or can you kind of throw, I mean, if you have a tennis court somewhere, you can make a pickleball court. Uh, yes, that is, that is correct. In fact, you could probably make two, one on each side of the net, as long as you had two nets. We typically do our corporate events at either Dwight Davis Tennis Center, where we have up to eight, simult- eight courts at the same time, or Creefcore Racquet Club, where we have six indoor courts and six outdoor courts. And we'll bring in numerous instructors based on the amount of people that will be there. They're really a ball. Is there any kind of um, pattern or consistency to, to people who are good at pickleball and are not good at pickleball? Can everyone – everyone can learn it, obviously. I play, You know what I'm doing this weekend I haven't done it in years, maybe 15 years at the MAC. I'm going to play racquetball because I love racquetball also and I haven't played in a while. But because of that and because I played baseball, I think with pickleball, I want to just smash the ball sometimes. That doesn't necessarily help me. So do some people kind of ease into the sport better than others because of their history? Well, the first chapter of my book is advice for players with a tennis background. And the second is advice for players with no sports background. So anyone can enjoy the game because it is easy to learn, difficult to master, and it's inexpensive to get started. Yeah, well, you need um, you know racket and ball, and then you just have to have a court, right? Yes, and some yeah. tennis shoes. Right. So where do you think this is all heading? Because it's sort of taken the country by storm. I see pickleball stories on CBS Sunday Morning, you know, on Fox, on CNN, you name it. Pickleball seemingly is everywhere. So this acceleration has continued in this particular sport. Yes, and I think it will continue. It is a uh, it's it's a beautiful game. Uh, anyone can play, and it's multi generational. Do you think it ever becomes, because there's some goofy things, in my opinion, in the Olympics. Does it ever get to that level? I mean, there's some highly competitive yes. pickleball um, caliber players, right? Oh, yes. It, it will be in the Olympics. I wish I could tell you when. I believe that we're getting close to the number of countries and the number of continents that need to be involved for it to be seriously considered. It should be. I have a, a good friend of mine, um, my friend Joe Mertzler from Columbia. We were dear friends back in the day. We used to play in a beer softball league. That's how I got to know Joe. But he is one of these intense athletes and very competitive. And I hadn't seen him in a while. A couple of years ago, I went to a football game, and we started talking about pickleball. He's like, oh, I'm building a pickleball court at my house. So he's got one at his house. Sure. And he won in the Show Me State Games in his age division. He's not listening right now. I'll say, old, that's his age division, but has gotten so consumed by it. He and his wife have their own court at home. They love to teach people. I got to get from my special lesson with Joe, I think, at some point because he's so passionate about it. So he was familiar with you and your book, but this thing really has kind of gone into a different stratosphere. You've seen it over the past five years. Yes, and it's, it's interesting interesting that you bring up coaching because I'm uh, traveling around the country with a professional pickleball uh, registry, PPR, and we're certifying pickleball coaches to meet that demand. I bet you are. What what qualifications do you need to be a pickleball coach? Well, in this case, uh, there is a uh, written test beforehand. There is a five-hour on-court assessment, and then there's a written test afterwards. You have to be a certain level of player, Mark, to be able to coach. 
once you've attained that level, then based on your experience, you can either be a recreational coach, which essentially means you'd be helping beginners, or you could be a pro-level coach, which would require years of experience teaching. It's not just a mail-in. Do you have, like, the book that John wrote that I have in front of me here is called Pickleball, Tips, Strategies, Lessons, and Myths. It's, let me, how, how many pages is this thing here? I don't know. It's like a couple, couple hundred pages, maybe. Do you know offhand? Uh, 152. 152. I think 130 of those pages are just dedicated to how you score, right? Because <laughs> that's the part. I still, I, I can go out right now and I think I can remember how to play pickleball. Judith and I played in the spring, so it's been a little while. I want to get back into it. But the whole scoring thing throws people off, I think. Certainly it's confusing. Can you explain that at all? Because it's really the first serve. Mark, we, we, lo- <laughs> we love to start our lessons and our clinics and our camps with, that's enough about history, rules, and scoring. Let's play. Let's play, right, right. Because if you can just get past that, like my brain hurts, and I think it still does on the scoring aspect. But once you get into it, and then you got to remember a couple other things about when you serve and what you should do when you serve, it is a lot of fun. I, Judith will tell you because I'm competitive, so I say nasty words when I'm out on the pickleball court, and it gets frustrating because you want to be better and you want to win. But I loved the game. And anything I may have said or thought about it being an old person's sport, I am an old person, so I really don't have the right to say it anymore. I completely took it away after I started playing for the first couple of times because it was so much fun. It is a ball. Well, let's um, let's get some people involved and raise some money here this afternoon. You have put together a great package here, a pickleball party for 20 people for two hours. You're going to have to come up with a mutually agreed-upon date at the Creep Court Racket Club. It's a one-hour lesson and one-hour play, plus 20 signed books, pickleball tips, strategies, lessons, and myths. We're going to offer this up for $2,000. John will take great care of you this afternoon. If you want to make an offer here, 314-241-9797. Anything else you want to say about the package? Uh, it's uh, all about fun. You have, I'm, I'm guessing this time of year, people that are doing holiday parties and stuff like that are probably working pickleball into the mix, right? I think that would be a great thing. Those well, parties we, tend to be so boring anyway. I'd love to go to a pickleball party. We're spending a lot of our time uh, providing gift certificates for private parties, corporate events, lessons, etc. And uh, everybody has a ball. And we adjust, we, we adjust it, Mark, to the skill level. Sure. So that everybody has fun. What's the what's the a good entry level age? Would you say when it comes to kids? Is there an age that is round about the right time? I would say somewhere between six and ninety four. <laughs> well, because like I have a little because girl. I have a student I, I a, who's six. Well, it depends. And I have a student who's ninety four. Yeah. Mark. So I'm thinking my my daughter's seven and a half, but she'd she'd she's a, she's a swimmer. But I don't know if if maybe she'd be okay at it. I think she'd like it. I'm just I, wondering I, if she's just a little bit too little just to make, you know, get across the court and everything. Oh, uh, I, I think the hand-eye coordination and the experience of being on the court uh, is uh, is delightful for children of that age. John, thank you so much for coming in, for offering up the uh, the great, you know, package here to raise some money for the kids at Cardinal Glen. And it's a great week, the Tree of Hope campaign. It's a pickleball party for 20 people for two hours at the Creve Corps Racket Club. You get copies of the book, Pickleball Tips, Strategies, Lessons, and Myths. And if you call 241-9797, you can make that offer right now. John Callahan, i got to come out and see you and maybe take a lesson. What do you think? That'd be fabulous. Love Not to. that I ever need any help with anything, but you know how it is. We'll probably take advantage. Thank you, John. Thank Good you. To see you. Have a great Christmas. Likewise. You know, Dave Strom from Hot Air was on earlier, and he wrote he wrote about this new polling with DeSantis and, and Trump. And look, I, I tend to be a straight shooter. I, I think many of you know I'm not a Trump person. Uh, never was a Trump person. Love the policies, love the Supreme Court picks, hate the behavior. Don't think we need to go back to that. 
uh, don't think he can get elected. Now, I can't sit here and tell you he can't win again because I was wrong and I was so wrong the first time. But what I can tell you is I think that the tide has turned significantly for the former president and not in a good way. I'm not sure how he gets out of this at this point because the polling is overwhelmingly not in his favor. Now, things change. And if the media look, here's one thing that can change. If you get some sort of indictment around Trump related to January 6th or or anything else, that's going to rally people around him. That will probably help him. But look, they did a USA Today Suffolk poll and by a two to one margin now, and I think these numbers are going to start to get a little bit bigger. There's a lot of people going to hang on. I know those of you who are in the cult are not going to break away, but that cult used to be 30 percent. Now it's probably about I'd say 12 percent by a two to one GOP and GOP leaning voters now say they want Trump's policies, but a different standard bearer to carry them. Thirty one percent say say they want the former president to run. Sixty one percent prefer some other Republican. That's a pretty big number there. And they have a name in mind, as do I. That's Ron DeSantis. Now, I've said this before, too. A little risky to pin your hopes on someone this early, but it's a double digit lead right now. And this should send some sort of message to the former president. Fifty six percent to thirty three percent. GOP voters say they prefer DeSantis over Trump. Now, that's a huge drop for Trump. It, as Dave wrote today on Hot Air, a huge bump for DeSantis. It's a 23-point advantage over the former president, and um, that's pretty significant. Amongst all voters, Trump has fallen behind Joe Biden in a hypothetical head-to-head. Now Biden would win a general election matchup by 47 to 40 percent according to this. I mean, you could take that for what it's worth. Because of the effects of rounding, Biden's margin is a bit wider than that indicates at 7.8% or 7.8 points. In October, Biden's lead was uh, narrower, 46 to 42%. While Biden now leads Trump, he trails DeSantis in a head-to-head race. DeSantis at 47%, Biden at 43%. That is significant as well. Now, we're sitting here talking a year from now. We don't even know if Trump will be in the race, if DeSantis will be in the race, or something brings him down, because believe me, they're going to try to bring him down. Will Biden decide to, to cede this to somebody else like Kamala? Who knows? But that's pretty significant. And I think what it indicates is Uh, He's lost his touch, and he was right for the moment. There's no doubt that many of us missed the signals in 2015 when Donald Trump was elected. They missed how the working class, I missed how the working class, how union workers were sick and tired of what was happening with Republicans and Democrats not standing up for issues. But this is a pretty dramatic drop at this point, and the only thing I think that can help Trump is an indictment in an ironic way because the media loves him. And uh, what else would do it? I don't know. That might be it. Or DeSantis stumbling. It's still early, but I'm telling you, those are pretty staggering numbers. I think there's a lot of people. I'm just going to tell you how it is. A lot of people out there, a lot of elected politicians, right? Other Republicans, people I have on the roundtable, people you hear and see on Fox, other talk show hosts. Most of the people that I know in politics, they want to go as far away from Trump as possible. They won't tell you that in most situations. When they come on the air with me, they won't say that. They'll still suck up. I've decided to not suck up anymore because I'm tired of sucking up and I'm not going to sell my soul. I'm going to call it like I see it. It's time to move on from the former president. Now, the audio cut of the day. Audio Cut of the Day is sponsored by the Good Feet Store. It's all about comfort, energy, performance, and pain relief. I am so saddened by a guy that was never the head football coach of any team that I liked in Mike Leach. He's the current, or was the current coach at Mississippi State. He he got a law degree in 1986. I didn't even know that about Mike Leach. And then he started um, 
with some crazy offensive schemes. He ended up at Oklahoma, then he went to Texas Tech, had a bunch of other gigs, finally at Mississippi State. He's a legend because of the way that he communicates with his fans and with the media. He just Mike Leach says what's on his mind, and he does it in a very unique way. Many of you probably don't even know his name, but you might know his voice. That's why I'm going to feature him as Audio Cut of the Day, because we featured Mike Leach a lot over the years. This was one from just a couple of months ago, where a sideline reporter for Mississippi State ended up asking Mike Leach about his advice for marriage, because she was getting married. Uh, so go ahead and uh, uh, don't, don't say anything else about it, but as soon as the season's over, or even an off week, go elope. Trust me on that. Go elope. Because uh, basically every female in the family is going to terrorize you guys until it's over. Once it's over, I mean, they'll be upset for a few days, but it'll be over. And then, you know, you cruise away, uh, along, have a happy marriage, have a happy life. I'll pass along the message. Thanks, Coach. Congrats okay. on the win. Trevor, unless he's crazy, is totally on my side. And trust me on this. <clears throat> if Trevor doesn't uh, have the sense to do that, Tell him to call me because, I mean, he needs to do trust. I've told all my kids, I'll give you $10,000 extra if you elope. Yes. So far they haven't done it, but I would. He was such a smart guy. Mike Leach had a terrible, terrible heart attack or some complications from a heart condition. He went into the hospital on Sunday with critical condition, and he passed away at the age of 61 yesterday. These were some of my favorite moments during audio cut of the day. I'm genuinely fearful that on our team, if, if, if me and the other coaches don't get them right, um, <clears throat> that about a generation from now, um, their kids and their grandkids won't have hands. You know, because, um, you know, f- from a lack of use, those hands just disappear. I mean, and, and maybe they'll be like this, like those dinosaur hands like this are, you see. And, and you know, you got like a Tyrannosaurus Rex who's, clearly good at eating things, big old jaws and all that stuff, fairly athletic and run. Well, his hands are like this. And, and yeah, you know, and I think we took a very, very, very uh, big step as a team, which we have to correct this. We have to correct this because, um, you know, I think that uh, in the end that it's going to be best for all these guys uh, that they have good hand development and that they don't evolve to where they don't have hands. Mike Leach, he was a legend in football and in communication. His last game was a 24-22 victory just a couple of weeks ago over rival Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. Finished the record season, rather, with a record of 8-4. and four. He is going to be missed in many, many ways. There's your audio cut of the day. He's an audio cut of the day legend, and I'm serious, Mike Leach. Have a great night. We're talking tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Get more at 971talk.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.